We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did Fred Zinke dominate last night's Yahoo Friends and Family Draft? We'll show you decide. We'll also talk about all the scoring that happened in baseball and the resulting uh, pitcher disasters that went with it. Next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Rotowire's Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, our podcasts are brought to you by the good folks at Vivid Seats. Thank, th- thank you for their sponsorship. Uh, Fred, we did one last draft last night while we were watching the Rockets red glare. Uh, all the home runs that happened. 59 home runs yesterday. Wow. Wow. I knew it was, uh, I, and it got off to like a rock and start. Like I feel like yes, a lot did. of those home runs were hit in the afternoon or in the first hour, say 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern yesterday. It was a by about, before we, we started the draft at 7.45, before we started the draft, I was already in just duck and don't look at your pitchers and assess the damage tomorrow morning mode. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there was, there was copious damage. I mean, I, I think I, you know, there's all these guys, Hey, two starts this week, Michael Kopech, let's get them in. Oh. Oh. So, so I thought about that and I thought, are we being too aggressive? I used Drew Smiley in a couple of leagues yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought like, so like my usual philosophy is, and I, other people I know who are good at this game, like <laughs> aspire, they use the same philosophy, but is to be a little aggressive early in the season with some of those two-star guys, because the pitching pool is going to get worse as the season goes on, right? Injuries yeah. and, and whatnot. But this year, I'm wondering with the rule changes, if maybe just kind of hunker down at the beginning of the season, be a little more cautious and then decide. I don't know. I, I don't know. We're all, I feel like this year, maybe more than the last few years, even though there were things the last few years, but I feel like this year we're really trying to figure out what baseball is on the fly. So the funny thing is prior to yesterday, batting average was only two points higher. Runs were not any higher than the year before and power was actually down a little. And then yesterday, everything went crazy. Um, so yesterday's first day, we had a bunch of fourth and fifth starters going. The thing is though, it is April um, and you know, it's going to heat up when it does heat up. It could be even crazier. So it could be that we're, you know, it's the new rules could be a new ball again. We we're back out, uh, back at it again. Um, it's not that cold, by the way, we haven't had a single rain out yet. 
Uh, there's some nice temperate areas so far. Uh, we, we haven't had the really, really bad weather so far either. No. Um, but so, yeah. So like you were saying, like the numbers so far compared to last season's numbers, although I have seen the stats on, uh, whatever it is now, four days into this season, is it four days, five days, whatever, five, now, yeah. five days into this season, the numbers are way up in comparison to five days into last season. Well, yeah, that that's actually probably a better comparison than yeah. season long stats. Yeah. That got, makes like you said, like you haven't dipped into fifth starters much yet. <laughs> uh, the pitching rotations yeah. are as healthy probably as they're going to be like the weather mm-hmm. hasn't fully warmed up. Although, like you said, like we haven't had a lot of cold weather games yet, but still not July. So um, I think it's going to be up and it's not just that the offense is up. It's that we're trying to figure out on the fly right now, I think which pitchers are bothered by all of the rule changes. One of the rule yeah. changes to who's bothered by the pitch clock. We're trying to yeah. figure that. Carlos Carrasco said last night that he found the pitch clock to be a problem for him. Who's bothered by the shift rules, right? Like we're trying to figure all these things out on the fly. There's batters all- bothered too. I mean, Manny Machado to just today get called a, uh, called strike three on a, a, the pitch clock violation and then got ejected for arguing it. So you know, you it, it's batters too. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I actually, I tend to spin a lot of things positive. So, so bear with me, but I That's actually. very Canadian of you. It is. Um, I like the brand of baseball that we're gearing towards. Like I like, I would like a higher BABIP. I would like a little more scoring. Mm-hmm. I like the extra base running, the base hits. Like I like it all. It's yeah. just, and I, so I like where we're going. And at this point next year, we're going to really understand when we prepare for our 2024 drafts, we're going to really understand what this brand of baseball looks like, what the new benchmarks are, what an acceptable team ERA is, what an acceptable team whip is. Um, we'll have, we'll have that down. It's just that right now we're doing it on the fly, trying to, we're all trying to figure it out. I've listened to other podcasts today where some podcasters are kind of throwing their hands in the air saying i don't know like i'm trying to figure this out just like everybody else on the fly one day right. one day at a time well how and can I, you know it's five days yes yep exactly and it's it's how it impacts the league as a whole but mm-hmm. it's also how it impacts each individual player so for example if you have carlos carrasco on your team and it impacts him a lot that's what matters for your team if someone else has marcus stroman on his team and he doesn't and it doesn't impact stroman a lot then, then in his world, it doesn't impact Strowman. In your world, it impacts Carrasco a lot. So it's because the impact isn't going to be uniform because all of these people are, all these players are actually people and they're going to be impacted right. individually by being hurried up and by the way their batted balls matter or any of these things. And we're trying, I think I'm trying to figure out like, what am I looking for in a pitcher right now? Right, right. That's the biggest thing. You know, like we're all feeling good about our offenses for the most part, because the offensive stats compared to early last year are up a bit. We're seeing the extra steals and, and things like that, but it's the pitching. Like, I, I, I just feel like, I, I don't know. I mean, you have a lot of teams too. So you feel like you have stake in so many pitchers, but so many pitchers have been unexpectedly rocked early in the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe in, some maybe expectedly, uh, and I just missed the signs. That's the that's the thing. And, and there's first of all, it, it's one start. They're gonna recover. They're gonna re- react. You know, they're they're going to adjust accordingly. And then on top of that, you know, there's funder- fundamental attribution here. We may say it's the pitch clock is why why Carlos Carrasco got rocked. 
well, what if you just had meatball stuff and the Brewers rocked that? You know, same thing with, you know, Michael Kopech lost velocity as the, 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 st- uh, as a stat was, uh, as the start was going down and he got rocked in that last inning, especially, mm-hmm. but did he lose velocity because of the clock? Did he lose velocity? Cause he wasn't up to, you know, his training yep. wasn't good. Um, was, is he hurt? You know, the, these are all things that we don't actually know the answer to. It's, it's one thing to say, okay, well, this definitely had it, did this, but we don't even know for sure if it's that we can't isolate for one factor. We can't isolate for one rule, even for crying out loud. That's the thing that's really difficult to me. I guess with Kopech, I mean, they're all home runs. It's not the shift ban. Uh, it's not the shift no. limitation with him. No, with him, it could have been pitch clock. It could have been more rapid repetitions. Yeah, caused him to wear down earlier. Um, the the thing that as as a fantasy manager, what I I could I could wrap my head around a universe where we've got to be more careful with mm-hmm. the Carrascos and the Kopecks because you're going to get burned sometimes. So maybe I got to lean into middle relievers more, things like that. But but on top of all those players, we've seen Aaron Nola get rocked. We've seen Jacob deGrom have a bad start. We saw Corbin Burns be just okay. We saw Alec Manoa get rocked. Like, we've seen a we, lot of pitchers. We got Basseted over the weekend. Right. And, oh. that, and Chris Bassett is supposed, yeah, is way above the cut line as far as, like, like, like you knew what you know your role in the dice when you put Jose Barrios in your lineup at the start of a season. The, coming off what happened last year, right. you knew your role in the dice last night. You knew if you put, use Kopech or Cutter Crawford last night, for example, for Boston, you knew your role in the dice. But like, there's got to be a world where you could put Alec Manoa and Aaron Nola and Zach Gallen in your lineup and just relax and be like, okay, that's, that guy's a good pitcher. You know, he might have the odd bumpy start, but he's going to mm-hmm. finish the season with helpful ratios. Right. So. That's when it's really duck and cover time is when you're you're even nervous when your good pitchers are pitching. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if we're there like yet. I, I, I'm I keep wanting to si- signal the caution uh, here that, hey, mm-hmm. it's five days. Um, mm-hmm. It could a lot of things are at work, I- including the adjustment to the new rules and players are, are, are you know, they adjust teams adjust. That's what they do. So. You know, yep. What's true now may not necessarily be true going forward. It, it is true. And to come back to last night's draft for Yahoo friends and family, it was fascinating to draft. Basically you were probably, I know I was like using my draft list that I would have used in a, used a week ago, but then with everybody's got the knowledge of these <laughs> initial starts mm-hmm. and initial games in our head. So all of a sudden you saw, uh, you saw Aaron Nola fall. He fell right. to round three, pick eight, for example. But that's uh, not very far, only in a 13-team league. That's still like pick 34. I mean, in a 15-teamer there, that's like 3.4. You're, you're, you're yeah. not really like, you know, you're not, that's not a huge discount, is it's, it? It's, no, no, but like I took Shane McClanahan ahead of him. I wouldn't have done that a week ago. Maybe that was a bad call. Maybe it was reactionary. Um, Shohei Otani, the pitcher, went ahead of him. Max Scherzer went ahead of him. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if we check main event ADP, he's ahead of all those guys. Um, yeah, it was just interesting as we went through. Zach Gallon fell a little bit. I noticed that. He made it through. Like, I could just look and see, like, Fran Valdez went ahead of him. Uh, Alec Manoa fell a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. all these guys who had bad, like, Alec Manoa went after you, Darvish. We go back and look at main event ADP. He's ahead of you, Darvish. Um, you know, he, he's, so it was interesting to see how we were trying not to be impacted by like one start or a couple games. Um, but that it's hard to resist because you'd feel foolish if you, 
you know, if you were like, oh, I even saw it coming. He'd already had a bad start and I took him early anyways. And he, he continued to start poorly. It was, it was an interesting exercise in like trying to ignore the first few days of results, but you can't, but you couldn't, you couldn't totally ignore it. Right. Well, and I was really intrigued to see where the injured guys went because we right. do have two IL spots, but yep. only two. We have 44 moves we can make on the year. 44 free agent moves we can make on the year. Way down. That's way down. It used to be, I think, 75 a couple yes, years ago. 75, like, 80, yeah. 90 at one point. I think the I think uh, Scott Pianowski, who's running it, it was cognizant that we don't want to be on the waiver wire every day. You know, right. um, we don't. You can do more than you know. Wait till Sunday, and I'm glad. I'm grateful I don't have another Fab League to be honest. I think this is actually kind of perfect. Yep. You know, I can pick up a guy whenever I need one or whenever I see something. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, that's another thing I need to do on Sunday and worry about. So, um, I made this a full on, almost a full on FOMO draft fear of missing out guys. I, I, this is, I got my share of Anthony Volpe. I got my share of Jordan Walker in the sixth and seventh rounds respectively, but I messed up Fred. I had the seventh pick, you know, and the top five are the top five. They go the same way. Every time Bo Bichette went six. I, I, I like Kyle Tucker a lot, and I went with him. But I really want Shohei Otani. I, I don't know why I didn't take him there. Uh, I'll, no, I know why I didn't take him there. I, it's because on Yahoo. Kyle Tucker. <laughs> because, well, in, in Yahoo, he's two different players. You know, the pitcher is one player, the hitter is another. I should have still taken the hitter because we have two utility spots. So him being DH only, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt you. Yeah, so it's just in a vacuum. I would take Kyle Tucker over Otani. Yeah, like for, and I wouldn't yeah. even flinch. Like I think Kyle Tucker will steal more bases. Um, you know, neither one of them are huge batting average guys. Mm-hmm. I like the lineup. Tucker's in a little better. Um, yeah, I would take Kyle Tucker over him. So when you say why'd you take Kyle Tucker over Otani, like I think most people would take Kyle Tucker over yeah. Otani. But you're right. right. If you're, but it's close enough and it was your last draft of the season, and there's no money tied to it, and if you wanted to go a full FOMO team, you could have started with Otani, and then I don't know who your, then your second round pick, well, it might have, you took Derek Cole in the second round, that's not a FOMO pick, I'm sure, for you, but. Um, it was still a very fun pick, I was very Do you have some Spencer Strider, because he went with the next pick, he could have been a FOMO pick for you. I have him in a keeper league, I don't have oh, any okay. NFBC okay. leagues, but. Maybe that could have been a FOMO pick for uh, you. Or and I have him in, another, in a home league on Yahoo as well, I have Strider, so okay. I have some. Okay, but, uh, but then it's you know where the Otani went all the way to one pick before me in the second round. So it wasn't yeah. like he was the obvious pick. I just it would have been the fun pick. That's all. I, I was surprised. I'm never the Otani guy, and he had fallen. Like I was like, oh, he's he's really fallen. This pick to me now is a good deal. Otani usually goes like in the main. He would usually go six, seven, maybe eight. So and, and in for, second in one of my three mains, by there the way. There you go. So for him to last all the way to there and and when he's being drafted in the main, he's basically being drafted as a batter, like for yep. the most part. So so for him to fall behind the likes of Alvarez, Machado, Soto, Pete Alonso, um, Bobby Witt, Fre- Freddie Freeman. I love Freddie Freeman. I would take Freddie Freeman over Otani, but most people wouldn't. So yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I was surprised that he fell that far, and especially yeah. because this is a, was a bit of a FOMO draft for all of us. It was. You knew it was I mean, your last one. Drafting yeah. after the season starts, it's always yeah. an interesting exercise. Kind of, in yeah, the the no entry fee aspect of it. There, I'm sure there will be side bets of sorts. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, it was fun there. Anyhow, the draft software loved what you did, Fred. Um, and I, I, I thought, let's take a look at Fred's roster. 
Um, and I think actually Yahoo's ranking algorithm, like love what you did too. First of all, you had the fifth pick. Um, so you went Jose Ramirez, you get the fifth of five. It's always nice to get that yep. Paul Goldschmidt sitting there. Okay. That's, that's pretty normal. Shane McClanahan, like you said earlier, and that, that's, that's yeah. Pick 31. That's Fine. I've seen him go as late as 43, one pick in front of me, by the way. Um, that, that was not a happy accident, but, uh, Shane Bieber, Julio Urias, that's some good pitching there. Yeah. I decided to go, I found in this league, it's, it's an innings, it has an innings pitched cap now without the, with fewer transactions. So it ends up being a little bit of a K per nine league. Mm -hmm. If you can get to the cap. Now this year, I was thinking with those 44 transactions, I think you'll use half of them just replacing injured players. So you probably only have about 20 to 25 transactions that you'll actually use by choice. Right. So right. for example, I put two players on my IL after this draft. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I'm going to pick someone up like tomorrow to fill those bench spots. I might, I might not, I might save the transactions and just play with empty bench spots for now. Um, so you're not that's, able to by the way, why I did not take any of the injured players. I think Bryce Harper went okay. at a good enough price that you should do. You should take him. Yeah. But I, there's a lot of injured players where I like, eh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just not going to do that. Um, yeah. Cause you only get two IL spots and only 44 pickups. That's right. So you might end up just <laughs> with some injured players on your bench. I just, um, I find in this league, I don't really love having marginal starting pitching. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to just accumulate innings. Um, I want good starting pitching and then I want relievers. Sure. And, and it, so I decided to use three early picks, McClanahan in three, Bieber in four, mm -hmm. Rias in five, all on starting pitching and get like a tree and get a trio of really good aces. And then I didn't take a lot of pitchers in the next few picks. Yeah, I, I think there's a pretty good, uh, I think that's a good underpinning of a philosophy. I like it there. Um, uh, and, and then you kind of just pound the hitters and then take late pitchers. So yeah. after your three studs, Tim Anderson, which I gifted to you, by the way, because I took Volpe, <laughs> um, that, was, that was pure FOMO. Um, Anderson is rated higher on my rankings. It's rated higher everywhere. And I still, I just wanted one league where I had Volpe. Um, Starling Marte, Brian Reynolds. These are all very solid, boring picks. Boring. Yeah, um, there's, there's more. Boring yeah, wait, picks there's this. more. Nestor yeah. Cortez, who was wonderful yesterday. Your yeah. one injured player. Well, your first injured player, Rizel Iglesias. Uh, we'll have to talk about him in a second. Mm -hmm. Christian Yelich, Lance Lynn. <sighs> uh, no, yeah, keep, go keep going. It doesn't stop there. Jake Cronenworth, very vanilla. Just got signed, though. Javier Baez, risky pick. Rizzo, McNeil, man. Yeah. Did you fall asleep during this draft? This has been a bit of a theme for some of my drafts this year. Like boring so, is beautiful though. So many guys there who are just in the vicinity of age 30. Je mm -hmm. Yeah. Jeff McNeil, JD Martinez, like he could suck this year, but he's a little boring. I just, a lot of just grinded out through the middle rounds, guys who have very secure jobs should like barring injury should get their 600 plate appearances mm -hmm. And a variety of skill sets, but a lot of guys who can contribute a bit, like Yelich could get you 20 homers, 10 steals. Well, who knows in the new steals environment, right? Um, Javi Baez could get you 20 homers, 10 steals. You know, Rizzo could get you, he could actually get a few steals. He could get you 20, 25 homers and seven steals, 10 steals, who knows, right? Like Cronenworth kind of chips in across the board, not really speed, but anyways, just a variety of, a little bit of tweaks in the skill sets, but same, same premise for all of them. I have... 
we'll see how it turns out, but I have zero Jordan Walkers. I have zero Anthony Volpe's. I just have zero of a lot of these, um, very few shares of the really volatile players. Rising the risers, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, I got I got a lot of early Jeffrey Springs, but nothing in the main event. I was like, yeah, eh, do I go out here? Nope. Scott Pianowski snagged him. I'm pretty sure it was Scott that did that. And, uh, you know, Scott even said he goes, this is a different draft for me. You know, and he took some injured players. He took some some trendy guys, uh, which is he he took a stash in Brett Beatty late. It was definitely not his standard type of draft. Yeah. Brett Beatty, by the way, who left his game in an injury today. And I just grabbed him in fab in my one of my nfbc leagues Uh on sunday and i was like okay this this could pay off in the next couple weeks and i know scott's been really posting about that and i think he's on the right track i agree with him that eduardo escobar is off to an awful start after an awful season he blamed the awful season on some personal problems i was hopeful that that was right i actually grabbed him really late in a couple early drafts i was like okay let's see because when he's good he can be a 30 homer guy so I was like, okay, well, let's see. Maybe it is. But so far out of the gate, it's been really bad. And I thought, okay, we could be a couple weeks away here from Brett Beatty just taking over there. And Escobar becomes a utility infielder for them. But we'll see. We'll see what the injury was. But he left his game this afternoon. Yeah. And I thought maybe it's, oh, it's because they're calling him up. No. No, No. that wasn't it. No, it was with the trainers. Unless they gave the trainer the the ability to tell him he was getting called up. But I doubt it. Yeah, that'd yeah. be very weird. That'd that would be, be that would be pretty. That would be an amazing psych on the internet. Is to tell the trainer, "Hey, go tell him he's getting the call. Everyone will think he's hurt. The Twitter will go crazy." That what would, would be, be even worse if, like, "Hey, we got your family on the line. We got this Zoom. Uh, you're getting sent down." Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be, that, that would be that great. Would be horrible, yeah. actually. Yeah, it seems like something the Reds would do. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. I digress. So, uh, I mean, and what did you do for closers in this league? Let's see here. Uh, well, no, I did later. I missed out. I almost got Felix Batista. I would have been really excited about that. But I took Iglesias. I'm hoping to get five months of closerness mm-hmm. out of him. I do think he's someone as the Braves closer who, if he could be their closer for five months, could get 30 saves or close to it. Like, I think the Braves are one of the only teams. I think their closer could get six saves a month on average. Yeah. Um, Jose Leclerc. So I'm not totally buying this Will Smith. I think Jose LeClerc will share some saves, but I think he'll also get some saves. And mm-hmm. in a league like this, he's just in your lineup all year. You don't make lineup decisions because you rotate the starting pitchers around him. Mm-hmm. So whatever saves he gets, I'll get. Um, and then is that's probably about Jason it. Jason Adam. Jason know. Adam. I'm Same thing. I'm hoping for eight or ten saves from Jason sure. Adam. But I'm going to have to find some saves. I say <laughs> one area. I was happy with the starting pitching. I was happy with the hitting depth. Uh, our league's a little smaller this year. It's 13 teams. It's been 15 or 16 usually over the last few years. Right. So, um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna have to keep my eye out for some even part-time closers that I can add. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, we'll take a look at my team in a second here. Yeah. But before that, uh, quick note from our sponsors: Baseball is back. Swing into MLB season with Vivid Seats and score tickets to all of the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team live and in person. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets and simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Pro reward tip. Buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. 
Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. See VividSeats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Um, I've used it before. It works. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. it's very it's it's excellent. And well, I mean, it's 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 a way to buy tickets and you have to buy have to buy tickets online anyhow. Um, might as well go through them as to, as opposed to another vendor because you can get the the, ex, the the reward ticket. I kind of like that. So there you go. Um, also, all of our podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Thank you for your indulgence. Uh, Let's look at my team real quick here in the Yahoo Friends and Family draft. Uh, I drafted from the seventh spot. As alluded to, I took Kyle Tucker, Garrett Cole in the first and second rounds. Cole at 20. I mean, that seems like a pretty good bargain to me. Amazing. In a league that, like I said, that that really values elite starting pitching over just a volume of starting pitching. Your team's actually pretty, it starts off not very FOMO-y, kind of more like mine, because then you went yep. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Ryan Helsley. You got to get your closer. I get it. So it's pretty, pretty chalky at the beginning. Tucker, good value at seven. Cole, good value at yeah. 20. You know, a couple veteran middle infielders, go Rangers, a, a closer. And, and then you flipped the switch and said, it's time to have some fun with this thing. And you went Volpe. You went Jordan Walker. You stole my Drew Rasmussen. I got him in every draft until about March 20th. And then I felt like his price went up. He and, and then, Springs were ran parallel. Yeah, Springs is trendier than Rasmussen, but not, yeah. not too much. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty much in the same ballpark there. Go ahead. Yeah. But then, and then you went, you on Duran, who's another, like, I think he's a, great fit for this league but he's again another guy he like you Duran could be any he could be anything from a top five reliever this year to a guy who gets seven saves like we'll just wait and see how they distribute saves this year I think he'll be somewhere in between that but he's an awesome pitcher he's pretty much as good as any reliever in baseball Um, (laughs) and then Christian Walker who I like at that point um 
and then a couple volatile starters, Blake Snell, Kodai Senga. Senga just volatile in the sense that we don't have a lot of major league track record. Snell sure. seems to always be all over the map, but um, the skills with him are tantalizing. And then you got a little, then, then you went back to boring. So you kind of went kind of exciting through those early to mid rounds. And then a yep. Eugenio Suarez, Alex Verdugo. I have him on so many teams and he so is the, boring. He is the ultimate yawn. I think him, Jeff McNeil and Luis Arias are my three ultimate yawns. I have no Arias, but I have some McNeil and a lot of Verdugo. They are yeah. like the most boring. Um, Alejandro Kirk bit of a he's fine he's he's kind of a boring catcher he's gonna hit gonna hit 270 or something yeah. like that 280 and a few home runs but um yeah Can i interject I think, for a sec yeah go ahead. so let's talk catchers you waited even longer than i did and got william yeah. Contreras, which was just a sick price but it's a one catcher league you and i are yeah. so used to playing in two catcher leagues yeah. it's it's nice to play in a one catcher league every once in a while um, amazing amazing i kind of wish they were all one catcher leagues whenever yeah. i do this draft every year um, yeah. I, I found that people kind of took catchers too soon overall. Some yeah. of the top catchers, I think this, that I think, and then honestly, I think that happens a lot. Uh, let's do it by round and you, you can kind of see that a little bit there. Like real Muto, uh, he, he went at, well, top first pick of the first of uh, the fourth round. That's not, that's not too early, it's but... Picked, it's a, but this is a smaller league. So it's picked 37. That's too mm-hmm. early. In my opinion, if he's going in, in a two catcher league, if he's going ADP, like, 28 i think he's got to fall farther than pick 37 yeah our buddy dalton varsho took uh dart uh, uh dalton del don took dalton varsho yeah. uh at 5.9 uh that's four mm-hmm. times three is 52 uh so 61 that that's a little lower but not too much lower uh, not bad will smith bad. went in the seventh round will smith's off to a great start rushman and sal in the eighth uh, Wilson Contreras in the 12th. So you can see there's a gap after that. Yeah. yeah. It's well, not bad. Like, I agree with you. I, th- I feel like maybe in a one catcher league and we're all tainted by the two catcher leagues that we predominantly play in. Yep. So it's hard to pass. It's hard to see these guys at the top of your queue and you would normally just automatically click on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go catcher all the way till not the last round, but maybe the third last round or something like that. And then like, I just felt like the value on William Contreras, he kind of hung around and I was like, Oh, I think he's, I think I just got to take him deviate from the plan of it. But I was thinking like Kyber Ruiz went in round 23, Travis, Travis Darno, who's been playing a lot at the start of yep. the year and Gabriel Moreno, who I know you really like those guys both went in round 24. So when you can draft those players basically on your bench and make them your starting catcher, I think, I don't know. And also have, the whole catcher pool minus probably about 15 catchers at any point in the season to pick from on the waiver wire. Right. I think waiting makes some sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. All right. Yeah. So after, so I got Kirk in the 15th. I might've, I could have even waited a little bit longer. I felt like I was chasing an outfield a lot. Um, okay. I got Fraley, Riley green, James Outman, Michael Conforto, Added a late share of Trevor Lorna. I'm pretty happy about that one, actually. Trey Mancini in the 24th. Uh, it also plays first base. But I, I, you know, I loaded up on middles and corners early. And that's kind that's of by fine. design. Mm-hmm. But it felt like I was also light on outfielders as a result of that. Yeah, but this is this is the league where we only have to have four. You got two mm-hmm. utility spots. So so I think that'll be fine. Like, I think the guys you took, like, Trevor Larnack is really interesting to me right now. I yeah. mean, I scooped him up in our labor league, but didn't get him in as many leagues as I had hoped to um, right. on Sunday night. So 
yeah, I think he's really interesting right now. And James Outman is also really interesting right now. So I think you grabbed some interesting outfielders, like some guys with upside. Riley yeah. Green's got upside. Jake Fraley, we know, has upside. Yeah. I was I was upset to see you get Larnick, but then again, because I play in labor with you. Uh, but at the same time, I was just scrambling to find – I added three pitchers this week, so I, mm-hmm. I just couldn't even focus on that other side. Uh, but yeah. Larnick and Outman were available in that league too, so that was those were pretty sizable bids. Cool. Um, Shame on all of us for letting Outman get through the first Fab run. I had a right? I had bi- I had bids in on him and just won the guys I had ahead of him. Which in hindsight, I wish I didn't have those players ahead of him. Right. Right. Um, but when I realized he like I got my outfielders and then I looked and I was like, oh, I wonder who got Outman. Oh, no one. What? No, none of us had him high enough in the queue, and I regret not having him a little bit higher in the queue. And then, obviously, by the end of the first weekend, I really regretted it because I yeah. got him for a dollar. He's so fast. Oh, it was a yeah, like I say, bad mistake we all made. Someone paid I think nine for him. I, I think I was probably second or third in the list. Like I was willing to pay a few dollars for him at this point. Two triples last night, and <sighs> they, neither were close either. I mean, yeah. Oh, he's fun. He he he's going to be a lot of fun. I like he's a patient hitter. Um, he and Vargas at the back end of that lineup are, are making that Dodger lineup stronger than I thought it was going to be. It's it. It's this is the Dodgers. Like people, I felt like people were like, "Oh, the Dodgers are kind of down. They didn't sign a lot of guys mm-hmm. this off season. They're kind of down. Uh, they're not down. That lineup's like you said. Like that lineup's scary. Like it. It always had the talent at the top, and mm-hmm. now it's got now it's got these exciting youngsters in the bottom half of it, it, you know, it still has someone like Muncie in the middle who should benefit from the new rules. Uh, it's still a really good lineup. I fear it with. Yeah. Pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kept on saying that the Dodgers over a uh, total of 96 and a half was too high. In my opinion, I may have to revise my statement. Yeah. We'll see. Although, I mean, the pitching starting pitching depth isn't there right now. So we're not yeah. completely off on that one there. Um, okay. So we've seen, Let's talk stolen bases. There's been a bunch of stolen bases so far this year. I think 84 now and 16 caught stealing. Uh, Did you feel like you drafted enough stolen bases? Do you feel like you plan for this well enough? Hmm. The the question is, what is enough stolen bases right now? Because when we projected the totals, I don't think any of us in our projections probably built in enough of an increase. Right. Like right. for most of these players, I felt like my own projections and when I looked at projections on on Rotowire or on fan graphs, um, I mostly just saw their projections being their usual projections, but maybe a bit on the high end. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to smash some of those. Right. So, yeah, but I did try to get a group of pl- of hitters who can all contribute some steals so right off the top like Ramirez steals bases Goldschmidt will steal a few bases um and then once I started once I got past those three pitchers um Tim Anderson steals some bases Starling Marte steals bases uh Brian Reynolds maybe not so much um but then as I kept going through here Christian Yelich will steal a few bases uh I try to just get a, a group of hitters who uh, heavy bias will steal some bases, a group of hitters where they will all steal some bases and then just cross my fingers. Maybe that that's enough. I don't know. I definitely, I don't know if you sat back and looked at all of your teams when draft season ended in, in their entirety. I couldn't believe how different some of my teams were. Like I have teams all from using the same draft list. I have teams that I think will be very high in steals. And then I have teams that I think that's going to be a challenge for. It's remarkable how different your teams can look. In oh, drafts, 100%. Based, on, based on the rest of your room and based on what pick you had. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's right. And you know, it, it's funny how it's changed from the start of the season. Like Corbin Carroll is a perfect example of a guy that I got in January a lot. And it's like, Oh, do I spend that sixth round pick on him? Yeah. I'll go ahead and do it. Now at the end of the draft season, he was going in the, at the two, three turn pick 28 last night. Yeah. Yeah. Pick, pick 28 last night. So, um, yeah, I think I think the thing with steals, you also have to remember, and this is like if you're not in the main event, you don't have to win your steals category, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't know how that steals category is going to look this year. You have to compete in it. Yeah. So I tried to make sure that my teams were competitive in the steals category. One league that involved reaching, not reaching, but drafting Esteri Ruiz in the middle rounds because I felt like I was really light on steals. Right. Uh, in all the other leagues, I felt like I drafted enough players who could chip away. But someone's going to win steals in your league, but you don't have to be that person. You have to, you know, maybe it, this was a good year to be able to compete in steals and then just see where it falls. Right, right, yeah. exactly. And, and and unless you're in an overall contest, you can even fashion a strategy there where you don't compete in steals. Yeah. Yeah, you could. You could say, you know, I don't know where this steals category is going this year, so I'm just going to draft the best hitters and and devalue the steals category down to zero and end mm-hmm. up, in, in which case you would end up with no steals. Yeah, that's or right. Base, or basically no steals. So, yeah, that's I didn't do that in any leagues. Did you try? Did you try anything like that in any leagues? No, not really. Uh, I, I wanted to be competitive in every category. I'm not much of a punt categories type of guy. I'm, I've done it before. Mm-hmm. I've done in those retro drafts that we did. It was like you had to do it. Almost had to do that. Uh, remember, uh, were you? Did you ever do any of those? I think you did, right? Yeah. Oh, I did all of them. I love them. Yeah. Or I um, think maybe all of them. Yeah. Very. I don't. Punching I don't one. Think, punching one every draft, basically. Every single draft. You yeah. had. Yeah. I was just gonna say. I don't know if there was a draft where. Yeah. You know, maybe there was a draft where you were not fully punting but light. But nonetheless, you had to have. Cause we all knew the stats, right? So you had yep. to, have, it was, it was all about moving the pieces on the chessboard, And that, I thought that was fun and interesting to see. It was really interesting. And I don't know if the takeaway was that punting works or if the takeaway was just that punting works when you already know the stats. I uh, think it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the latter as well. Punting, punting works. It can punting in these leagues can work. It's just, you just have to nail the rest of it. So, so you punt saves, well, you better not have your two aces, but your aces better not be Justin Verlander. And you know what I mean? Like someone yep. else who's like, you can't have that happen because you, once you punt it saves, you put a lot of pressure on your starters to come through. You can yeah. punt steals, but your, your team better hit for a high batting average. And that's yeah. hard to predict, especially this year. Yeah. I mean, I, Doug Dennis did the punting strategy that really worked out uh, in AL Towers. And we've talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Where he starting pitching, yeah. uh, which by the way, is kind of a robust strategy. It's because you know, like you miss on one closer. Well, you got eight other relievers that are going to get you saves and all that. And you're not when you're entirely focused on finding those emerging high strikeout starters on the waiver wire. I mean, relievers, excuse me, on the waiver wire. You're not worrying about starting pitching at all. I mean, that's great. You know, you have to nail the hitting, and he completely nailed the hitting last year. But and I think it'll he's going to find it harder this year because other people are spending the same amount of money on hitting that he did last year. So he's he probably won't dominate it to the extent that he did, where he got uh, every single hitting point. I mean, literally 60 points in hitting. That, that's <laughs> that's amazing. It, it, it's amazing. And it's definitely something you can more do in an only league where every team or most teams have hitters in their lineup who mm-hmm. don't even play. So the hitting stats, like if you can accumulate 
a lot more plate appearances by spending more on hitting than most people and you mm-hmm. accumulate a lot of plate appearances you can kind of bully your way to the top of you, the batting average or in tout's case the obp has to come into form but um but the cumulative stats you can kind of bully your way there a little more in an only league than you can in a mixed league where everybody's you know has everyday players at every spot or pretty much everyday players at every spot exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah all right uh let, let's keep talking some more hitters here a little bit um we already talked about Beatty. Uh, you think that you overlooked Jorge Mateo? Yeah, I just, like, it kind of made sense. Steals, I think a lot of us did. I think his ADP yeah. is quite late. Um, I just don't, didn't think, I don't think he's very good. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'll end up being right, but I don't think he's a very good hitter. Like, his his OPS last year was 646. Mm-hmm. His, his OBP was 267. 267 like that's not even a good batting average that was right. his OBP so I thought there's no way this guy's gonna hold a regular job and get us the counting stats and I I, and I might still prove to be right about that but I don't know like he was he was available late in a lot he of was. my drafts and we're talking about someone who stole 35 bases last year and now we're entering a league where it's <laughs> easier to get like I probably should have thought when it was late why don't I just draft this guy just in case he steals 55 bases this year? Right. Just right. in case. And, it, and if, and if his playing time's not there in the middle of April, like he was available so late, I wasn't comparing him and Alex Verdugo or something and just saying, you know what? Verdugo is just such a better player. Like it was just him in a late round hitter. I should have, I think I should have been on him just as a, as a guy who's a category stat stuffer in fantasy with mm-hmm. with his ability to hit 10 or 15 home runs and steal all those bases. I don't know. I don't know where this is all going to go. He's obviously off to a hot start, and it's not a Babbitt-fueled start. So he's off to a hot start. Kind of, It's only a few games, but on his yeah. own accord. On his own accord. Um, it's not like, like I say, it's not like he has a 600 Babbitt or something. It's just the ability of him to rack up steals. I should have I should have picked him in right at, at, and at a great price. It wasn't round, like you. Like, yeah, like round 25 or something like that. I could have grabbed him. Yeah. Just for my bench, see yeah. what happens for two or three weeks. I think I'll regret that, but we'll we'll see. But I think I'll regret it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Orioles are are going to be interesting to see if they, you know, if the people that are starting the season with jobs end the season with jobs. Uh, Mateo is yeah. one of them. He's got a hold off a kid named Jordan Westbrook, you know, for instance. Uh, you know, the, the the Orioles have prospects coming out of the year, so that's going to be uh, fun to see them over the course of the summer and see how they adjust. And, uh, and their infield's crowded right now. Like, yeah. just Adam Frazier, Ramona Rias. Like, it's a crowded infield already. So, it's it could get even worse. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk uh, a little te- uh, Minnesota Twins. Joey Gallo had another homer yesterday. He's up to three. Twins are 4-0. and They're pitching great. They're hitting great. Um, I do have a little bit of Gallo, but not a lot of bit of Gallo. Uh, I wish I had a little bit more, I think. Uh, are there? Or maybe I'm just reacting to four games against the Royals and Marlins. Yeah, I'm like I'm not there yet. Like I so I do not have my Jorge Mateo feelings yet on Joey Gallo. Okay. We'll see where this all goes, but it's just like his career batting average is now in by the way, is now an even two hundred. So his hot start wow. to the year has moved his career batting average, which was one ninety nine when the season started, to an even two hundred. So um I don't know. I'm not there. I'm still, I'm not there yet with Gallo. We'll see. I did expect Gallo to have somewhat of a bounce back this year. Like he's not even 30 he turns 30 after the season this year. Um, I, I thought he could hit 30 something home runs this year with the mm-hmm. twins, but if it comes with a, especially with batting averages trending up, if his batting average comes with a 220 average, which would be an improvement for him. 
I I don't know. I, I I'm like I said, I'm not really regretting him at this point. We'll see. Maybe he'll hit 45 homers or something this year, but I'm not regretting him yet. And you said you have a few shares. Well, like one or two. Okay. Um, I have them in scarf and I think I have them somewhere else too. Okay. Uh, don't have them in the main though. Of course. Uh, pitching wise though. I mean, their, their starters have been just nails so far. Lopez yeah. on opening day. Uh, Joe Ryan was great. Um, we saw yesterday. Tyler Malley was great. Uh, we got Kenta Maeda today uh, making his season debut. First uh, game since I, I, did he pitch at the beginning of the year last year? I forget. I, or, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't no. think so either. So he's been out for a very long time. Yeah. He's kind of a wild card for them. Yes. Along the lines of what we were talking about with pitching uh, earlier in this episode, I have Kenta Maeda on an important team to me, and I didn't start him this week. Even though that Marlins matchup is is solid, I, you know, because I was so smart, I started Drew Smiley instead. But, mm. <laughs> but so I wish I could undo that. But just in general, he was up and down this spring, Maeda. His control wasn't great this spring. And which kind of fits the profile of someone who's coming back from this layoff. So yeah, I decided I do one. He's a one start pitcher this week. Um, should be a two next week. I decided I do one watch and see start and I'll see where it all goes. But Kenta Maeda is someone like his career whip is 1.14. Like he, and his career strikeout rate is good. It's more than a strikeout. It's rate. always been durability. Yeah. Absolutely. So if he could be reasonably healthy this year, like he could have stretches this year, if his control's fine, his control's always been good. And like I said, it wasn't good in spring training. So we'll just see where that goes when Indeed. he pitches today. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I'll be watching that one closely. It's up against Sandy Alcantara. So uh, that's going to be a tough matchup for him. And one the Marlins desperately need. They're one and four now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I felt like the Marlins, I don't know, I, like I, they're not the Pirates to, to me. Like they can pitch. They're not the Pirates. Like they're yeah. not a team that, or the Reds, sorry, but they're not a team that started the season. Three and one Reds, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, catch Reds fever, catch they're it. Terrible. They're uh, so no, scary. but they're not a team. Yeah, they're not a team that started the season already looking ahead to 2024 and beyond. Like I feel like the Marlins aren't playoff, aren't likely going to make the postseason, but they are. They do have a chance. They can pitch. They have a chance to make it if they. But they can't bury. Not good enough to bury themselves and then come back. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and some sometimes you get into that hole that's too deep to dig yourself out of, too. I mean, yep. and the, uh, the Marlins and the Phillies are both in a tough spot right now. That's right. There there are a few teams out there like the Dodgers that are maybe so talented that, you know, they can climb out of a hole if they started the season off really poorly. But for most teams, like if, if you have an, an April where, you know, you're, I don't know, like eight wins in April or something like that, like, you, you might not climb. It's easier now. I guess there's more wild cards, but you're probably not going to climb your way out of that. No, probably right? not. You uh, run into where they start doing, I've been here as a Jays fan before, where they start running the data around the early May, middle of May, where they're like, so the Jays record to make the playoffs would probably have to be this and this, this many wins and this many losses from this point forward. And you look at it and you're like, oh, that's probably not actually going to happen. No. not <laughs> like, we'd have great. To have a, I know you could have a 10-game win streak, and then all of a sudden it comes back to normal. But, but yeah, I've been there before. We were like, okay, we're not doing well, but it's not that bad. And then they're like, you know, the Jays would have to go 80 and 50 the rest of the way to, to make the playoffs. And you're like, oh, oh, they're probably not going to do that. Great. What am I going to do with my summer? Kind of like me checking out the Premier League standings and seeing how far down Liverpool is and th- realizing they're not going to be playing Champions League next year. There it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big soccer follower, but I know a little bit about how that works. Yep, it's just the same. Or maybe on the flip side, maybe your Reds will get off to a hot start and you'll get one of those stats where you're like, hey, they'd only have to play, you know, 500 ball the rest of the way to have a chance. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, the probably Reds not. Play, probably. probably not. They played three games against the Pirates and one yeah. against the Cubs. So let, let's not yeah. get too happy right now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Are you in the, already in the mindset of like you would like the Reds to finish as low in the standings as possible this year? Or are you more like you'd like them to actually be OK? Because it's probably a sign that some guys like Fraley in India, you know, maybe eventually De La Cruz. Like probably these guys... the latter. But right. man, I really want the owners to suffer at the same right. time. Right. But they don't they never suffer. They pass and on their suffering to others. To you. Yeah. And they and they do have if they did have an unexpected like 80 win campaign it would probably mean that Hunter Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, that those guys have arrived. So Right. And yeah. they got cr- some credible fourth or fifth starter. Right now, I don't feel like they have that. Uh, the Overton window uh, shut about the fourth inning yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll see Sessa tonight against the Cubs. So against yeah. Hayden Wesneski. I am intrigued to see Hay- Hayden Wesneski, although yep. I benched him in one league because of the venue um, and because I had alternatives, too. I had options. I had to figure out who was going to have to sit. But Wazneski is another one of those guys. Plenty of shares early, none late. He's a major FOMO guy for me. I have no shares. I had shares of him last year. I was on him when he came up. Um, I have no shares. I should have got shares of him early. In my last draft, I debated him and Miles Michaelis. I took Michaelis because he's so safe. Then I watched <sighs> him pitch against my Blue Jays on opening day, and I was like, oh. Well, hopefully, hopefully in the end, Miles Michaelis has always been safe. Hopefully that'll sort itself out. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was one of those picks where I almost knew as soon as I made it, I would regret it. Either way, if I had taken mm-hmm. Wisniewski, I would have been like, oh, he's so risky. Right, you know, why right, did right. I just take? Why didn't I just take a safe 180 innings from Miles Michaelis? The, I, I, I've been there. I still think Michaelis will come around. The Cardinals usually pitch fine. I think Michaelis will come around. I had the combo of Manoa and Michaelis on opening day okay. in one league. Oh, that's tough. And then Chris Bassett I mean. two days later in that oh, same team. In the uh, same team. Yeah. So What's, I'm off to a rip roaring start there. I feel like your team ERA must be like nine or something. So, now, even with some decent pitching. My team ranks in the 700s in the main event in that team. So, uh, yeah. That By the way, that's bad. Um, wow. So <laughs> very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it was really awful there. Uh, speaking of really bad and awful and your Blue Jays all at the same time, oh. Jose Barrios. We got to talk Jose Barrios. Cut him. He's a cut, right? He's got to be a cut. He got he got smacked around by the Royals, who didn't score until Sunday. It and looked, benched a bunch of people. And it looked so much like last year, where guys were just teeing off on him, like, right from the get-go. Right? So, yeah. I just... Sidebar when I was, so I am a huge UConn basketball fan. I have been since I was probably in grade nine or so. They're my only favorite sports team that actually wins, like wins championships. Congratulations then. Yeah. So last night, but I I almost felt like I knew that they were going to win last night. Like I felt like. It felt so inevitable. They had been so dominant and, uh, and I had followed them all season. And I was like, oh, am I going to watch the Jays or am I going to watch UConn? Well, it turns out I could watch both, thanks to Jose Barrios, because <laughs> <laughs> because the Jays were done long before, long, long before UConn. I was able to watch the Jays, then go watch a whole other show, then come back and start watching the basketball game. It, this looks so much like some of his starts last year, where he was just he got teed off on right at the beginning, then he kind of recovered briefly, and then teed off again. The and, difference was it was good teams that were teeing off on him last year. Now it's the Royals. <sighs> It, it's bad. I, in a 15 team league, starting pitching is so scarce that sure, I would bench him and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. In a 12, I, but again, I wasn't in on him at all. In right. a 12, I think he's, he's a cut. Yeah. Yeah. This for me is a what are you going to do with Jose Barrios question? Not what am shares. I going to do? No, yeah, zero no. zip, not a none. 
Yeah. Uh, I've been staying away from him for a couple of years now. So um, he pitches Saturday in LA. How, how well would he have to pitch Saturday against the angels though? Against the angels. Yeah. In sorry. Anaheim, not yeah, in, in LA. Okay. Oh, well, oh sorry. Sorry. <laughs> when I was at an Angels game last year, humble brag, I felt like I was still in LA, but maybe I wasn't. Well, I guess it, they do I call did, themselves the Los Angeles Angels of right. Anaheim. So I did. I did drive a long way before I got to said LA game. So yes. I did feel like I was leaving a city. I guess. Well, I mean, uh, drive all the way from Toronto just for a game in Anaheim. I mean, that's that's a yeah, lot, a lot of work. A lot yeah. of work. Um. Anyways, how well would he have to pitch Saturday for you to keep him in a twelve? Like five innings, three runs. Would you keep him? Uh, no. Uh, but that, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you can bench him. So I guess, but because I get in a 12 teamer, probably not. In a, in a 12, I, you're right. In a 12, I think I'm just moving on. Yeah. And I think I'm just going to pick up some random starter who had a good start this week. Like I'll just take like Chris Flexen if he pitches well on Wednesday. I'll just pick him up in a 12. Like, I don't think Chris Flexen's going to be good, but I think you I have just the one be... strikeout in four innings. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be me getting rid of Brios. Like it, I would just like, like exorcism he's... pretty much like I, Anthony D. Scalfani. Is he, if he's still available, he had a nice start to open the week. If he has a nice start at the end of the week, mm-hmm. maybe I pick up him. Maybe I pick up Rich Hill. I don't know, but I would just pick up anyone else in a 12 because I just don't see Brios getting the ratios that I need in a 12 no. in a 15. I think I might have to keep him for a couple weeks. Yeah. If um, I, I Maybe. There's plenty of other hideous pitchers on our rosters right now. <laughs> Yesterday was bad. Kopech, Carrasco, yeah. uh, you know, Bassett earlier in the week. I benched Bassett in one of my two teams that I have him in the main. One of them we kept him active because I just didn't okay. have a better pivot. But, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want that start. I just I, – I, I need to find out if uh, – you know, the, the low velocity from Bassett is going to continue because if it is, I mean, there's no hope. I know. And this is as a Blue Jays fan, uh, Kevin Gosman worked out well, but we've got two years ago, Barrios, last year, Kikuchi, this year, Bassett. That's three fifths of the rotation. And Barrios has been terrible for the Blue Jays, other than that first few starts when he first came over. Right. Kikuchi was terrible last year. Bassett was terrible in his initial start. It's really interesting. They've been, this is the finishing pieces on a team that has a good like core group of position players. And I think a decent bullpen for this year. And they just, we'll see what happens with Bassett, but with Brios and then Kikuchi last year, they have not been able to figure out how to bring in like mid-level free agents that pitch fine for them. Ross Atkins needs to get a pitching consultant. I guess. Yeah, maybe. And then like the, like like the Ray, I just watched the Rays bring in Zach Eflin and he gets off to a good start to the year and, Against like, the Tigers. Let's against just, Tigers, for sure, easier. Yeah. Well, you know, so, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this all shakes out. I'm definitely, like, I'm not even considering cutting Chris Bassett. Not for a while. Yeah, I'm not cutting, a, but I, I just benched him in a league. That's all. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how about this? If you could own Barrios or Kikuchi right now, I think I would own Kikuchi. Because he, has, he hasn't started yet tonight. <laughs> Maybe by tomorrow I'll take back Barrios. But I think <laughs> I'd rather try Kikuchi right now than Barrios. I think I'd rather own Eric Swanson just get relief in yep. either yep, of those you're two. right. Well, these are the dilemmas we're going to come to. We were talking about this at the beginning of the show today. Like, yeah. these these are the dilemmas. It's going to be, am I going to try Kikuchi? Like, I started Kikuchi in Tow Wars this week. I drafted him in, like, round 33 or something of the draft. And good he luck. has two. He has two starts this week. The first one's in Kansas City. He had a good, really good spring. I'm going to give him a shot. I have Eric Swanson. I think he might be in my lineup too, but you know what I mean. Like, we're going to be <laughs> in these dilemmas in a lot of leagues as we go forward 
where am I, am I trying Drew Smiley? Am I trying Kikuchi? Or am I just going to give up and just use Eric Swanson and maybe hope this is the week he gets a vulture win? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, we're, let's do a couple quick minutes on relievers. I have to cut out a little earlier cause we got sure. uh, swimmy to go see, but uh, okay. let's talk a little bit about uh, closer madness last night. First of all, Arizona, uh, what a mess. Scott McGuff blew one, blew, blew the save in like five pitches, two solo homers to <laughs> David Dahl, who I didn't realize was in the league. Great story. Uh, I was excited for him. Yeah. And Hassan yeah. Kim. Um, I was not excited at all. I was very despondent because he had a save. McGuff had a save Sunday and I was like, okay, he's back to being part of the, you know, this is going to be a committee of sorts, but I can live with the committee. I can't live with this. The only thing that would have been worse than like him walking four guys that would have been worse than giving up the two homers, but mm-hmm. this was pretty darn bad. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll get additional chances. Um, mm-hmm. Andrew Chafin, like he's there. I think he's their best reliever. He's just left-handed. So yeah. and, like they kind of need to use him in a, a variety of ways, but I, he has a win and a save already. Um, and I was going to get another one last night too. Had, yeah. uh, had that held. Yeah. I don't think that Andrew Chafin's like, like amazing and like I'm not rushing out you know to trade for him or something but I think he's their best reliever I don't know if they'll eventually settle on him as closer I think McGough will get another chance I I think probably I think Chafin might get the next chance right but uh, maybe it ends up being Chafin more often than not unless there's a situation in an earlier inning like in the seventh rate where the manager's just like okay like we got to use the lefty here like this is so whatever we'll put in someone else for the ninth but um, I would have said, I think you and I both would have said a week ago that McGough leads the team in saves this year. Now, would you say that Chafin leads the team in saves this year? I think it's person not identified yet. Leads you the think team it's neither saves. of them? I think so. Because really of the lefty a... factor. I think they want Chafin right. in that role that he's got. Yeah. So it could be Miguel Castro. It could be someone that's yeah. a you know, converted starter. Okay. could be someone from outside the organization. Um, I, I, I'm very pessimistic now. And I... I hmm. I have McGuff. I uh, got him in uh, the 21st or 22nd round on that live main event. And then we pushed him up even higher in our last main event uh, the, the night before the start of the season. Uh, I'm a little despondent right now. So maybe it's just because it's affecting me that I'm, I'm that way. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I could probably... still I could still see it being him. So this yeah. is me as an outsider who has one share of Chafin and none of any other Arizona reliever. So right. I don't have much in on this. Um I think it could still be McGough. Yeah, could be. Yeah, could be. McGough. But but I don't, but I'll take the I'll take the under on eighteen saves for yeah. any Arizona reliever. Yeah, I, I yeah. probably the right call. Yeah. The other outright blown save, uh, at least normal blown save, was uh, Emmanuel Classe. Didn't have his best stuff. Had his Class B stuff, as Chrysalis like would like to say. <laughs> um, I'm not super worried, uh, but you know, velocity down a little bit. Do you want to grab a James James Krenjak anywhere just in case? Maybe I think he's hard to grab, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, some I, where he's out there still. But yeah, I think in principle, I mean, Cleveland see, appears to be a good team. They'll probably have a lot of other situations. The only problem is their formula usually is Karinchak in the eighth and Classe in the ninth. So mm-hmm. they both. It's not like he's going to step in when Classe is tired all that time, all the time, because he might be tired too. Yeah, for sure. Um, class A, it'd be more if there was something wrong with Class A and he for sure. ends up on the IL. For what it's worth, Class A's first two appearances of the season, he did not allow a base runner. 
pitched two clean so, innings, three strikeouts. Over so I'm not really weeks. worried at all. Me, me neither. And it, what's nice if you have Class A, which I do on one team, mm-hmm. um, he got to win. So whenever yeah. you're closer, when you're if you have a good closer like Class A, and he has a rare stinker. It's always nice when he when he at least gets the win out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one last blown save, and this was totally unlucky. It was Alex Lang on uh, Detroit. Uh, he induced a hard hit ground ball by Jordan Alvarez to Tor- Spencer Torkelson, the runner on first. Torkelson stepped on first and then pivoted and threw to second and smacked the runner right in the back. Um, yeah. And that could have ended the game right there. If he just steps in a little bit, gets the, a proper throw. Uh, instead, game continues, runner on second. Jose Abreu one-arms this ball to the track. The outfielder, which was Austin Meadows, did not time his jump very well. It didn't necessarily need the jump. It was a catchable but not easy catched, easily caught ball, but still catchable. Instead, it turns into a hit and a blown save. So I, I, I think you know the fleeting save opportunities that the Tigers will have will still go to Lang. I don't think he should lose out because of this. Good day to put in a trade offer. Then you're saying for those in trading leagues listening, maybe good day to put in a trade offer for Alex Lang. Yep. Put in a buy low. His first outing, he gave up one hit, no mm-hmm. walks. Hasn't struck any batters out that he's faced so far. Right. Um, but which usually he sh- like he has a decent strikeout rate. So, but anyways, what? Yeah, one, like you said, one bad outing. He's not going to be Ryan Helsley, Emmanuel Class A. But yeah, if if right. his owner if his owner is panicking, maybe you could pick him up really cheap right now. Yep. Yeah. Any other closers you want to talk about before we sign off? Um, let's see here. So it, I do have in the, with the A's, it wasn't a save, but Trevor May and Domingo Acevedo both gave up runs last mm-hmm. night. We know May had a terrible spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Danny Jimenez is someone I actually drafted him at the very end of my last, not counting the draft last night, like my last draft before opening day, I actually right. drafted him right at the end. I don't think he's awesome. At the same time, like he did open last season as the A's closer. So they were fine with him at like these rebuilding, not caring about winning A's. We're fine with him as their closer. He did get their first save. I it maybe it's probably still a bullpen by committee, but yeah, just sure by, I picked him up in a couple of leagues. Yeah, just by virtue of him not pitching last night, he kind of gained some ground because May and Acevedo both were scored on. Like in a perfect world, the A's get a save chance today or tomorrow, and he gets it since he's fresh and get converted and yeah we'll see like if he didn't get hurt last year he was like i said he was their closer at the beginning of the year he no one gave him a lot of credit but he was their closer and if he didn't get hurt he might have been their closer for a long time last year yeah the only red flag is jimenez had a little velocity decline this spring yeah but uh yeah he He, he's he's not not, yeah he's not awesome by any stretch walk rate's not great yeah and the a's are really bad yes there's that too there's that too but in a in a 15 team hmm. league everybody who might be a closer his own kind of way mm-hmm. and he, he i find him interesting yeah i do too yeah. I, I do too and yeah. i don't think may had much and neither at acevedo in fact acevedo was so bad they made him stick around for a second inning to think about what he did <laughs> uh but uh so I, I don't think he's really that much of a part of the mix as well yeah um watch watch for more news on your guy rizel iglesias you mentioned something about him not throwing yet yeah, still not throwing. They said initially that he might just miss the minimum. Like, that's clearly not going to happen. I agree. So I I kind of, well, I had already drafted him in some leagues. Um, the leagues, other than last night's draft, the other leagues I had already, like, I didn't draft him again after he was hurt, but because mm-hmm. I already had a lot of shares. Like I said, I'm hoping for five months. I'm hoping he starts throwing maybe again in a week. He's back some point by the end of right. April. Five months, as the, I do think he'll be the Braves' full-time closer when he comes back. 
Like, I think that's his role. Same as Liam Hendricks, who we could talk about too, in a totally different situation where he was picked up in a lot of fab leagues on Sunday because yep. now they're saying maybe late May for him. I think when he comes back, maybe not his first appearance, but when, I think, when he comes back, I think he's the White Sox closer, full stop. He's the closer. Agreed. 100%. And I think Iglesias is the same way. And five months of Iglesias or four months of Liam Hendricks will probably get you more saves than anyone on Oakland or Arizona. <laughs> and we yeah. can keep going this year. And probably about 15 others. Yep. Right. And you get the roster spot to use on other pitchers who can work, ruin my ratios. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Total victory. I love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up today's uh, podcast. We got James Anderson tomorrow. Got on Thursday, Eric Samuelsi of uh, Roto Baller is going to join me. Uh, on Sunday night, Scott Jenstad is going to be traveling. So I got Vlad Settler joining us to do the Fab nice. Podcast. So that should be fun, too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Fred, for uh, joining today. And uh, you guys, good luck today. Have a great day. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.